Good morning. I'm Tamara McDaniel, and this is Plant Experts Live at Prairie Gardens. If you want to join us, we're at 3000 West Springfield in Champaign at the corner of Springfield and Duncan. Or you can phone in with your questions at 356-9397 or text us with your questions or comments at 351-5357. Our plant experts are standing by they include Marianne Metz. Good morning, Tamara. Good morning, Marianne, and good morning, John Weisgarber. Good morning, Tamara. Good morning. Well, everybody made it safely through the snow this we morning. Did. I did. I actually I'm wouldn't call glad. it snow, Tamara. I think it's slush. Slush? Yeah. Well, yeah, I guess you're about Ish. right. Yeah. Uh-huh. The snow is starting to come down a little bit more than yeah. it was earlier yeah, this right morning. Now. Right now. Yeah. Right now, yeah. yeah. It was more freezy rain and slushy. Ish. Earlier, but now it's uh-huh. snow again. But driving as compared to last weekend, that's much better than last weekend, I think. Better, except but for now the wind's picked up, so it blows you around. Good point. Yeah. All right. But well. it could be worse. I'm thinking what, how, but... I'm thinking... <laughs> yeah, well, wait a minute, let me I had to stop this. for a second. I'm like, well, ice storm? No. Ooh, that's for Valentine's Day. Oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> thinking. Exactly. That's what it happens. You know what, though? What a nice shot in the arm it is just to come in here and, and walk around. Oh, my gosh, yes. And look at everything that you have available in Prairie Gardens, especially over in the houseplants area. Because uh, kids were over recently, and they were saying... Where, where is your fairy garden? Why don't you have your fairy garden put together? And I'm, well, I just have What's rearranged stuff. That's and, funny. That's you great. Know, you move <laughs> things around. And so I'm thinking, well, maybe I need to get another fairy garden together. And <laughs> you sure have some cool plants back there in order to do it with. Just makes you feel good, doesn't it? It does. To be around live plants. It does. Just, and the, the orange bromeliad. Stunning. <laughs> oh, I mean, you have great? yellow ones too. They're really beautiful, pale yes. yellow. Yeah. Um, but the the orange is such a nice jolt of color. Color. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Especially at this time of year. And guess what? What? They just loaded us on a truck coming from Florida. <gasps> so it should be here. Hopefully, it's going to be later tomorrow afternoon. Some more tropicals. Yeah. More houseplants. More houseplants yeah. Good. Oh, yeah. So that room will be stuffed. And yeah. a lot more color. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. And, and, well, green's a color, so yeah. Well, good <laughs> Foliage point. plants. And, good yeah, point. Lots of stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, good. Well, I can't wait. More orchids coming this week. Nice. Yeah. I, and you have some beautiful lemon lemon citrus? Is it lemon? Camocypress or uh, fall cypress. Yes, cypress. Yeah. There we go. Lemon cypress. A uh, little... What, what would you say? They were like maybe a foot five. tall, foot and a half, well, two I feet th- tall? The stem's probably five inches, yeah, don't probably, you think? Probably. So, and then the okay. topiary ball on top of that makes it about a foot. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, are we supposed to, so is it like a bonsai where you want the person who who buys it, they get to trim it? Yeah. That's or not. Or not. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. I'd say not. Let it grow, let it grow, let it grow, right? That's right. You like the natural look? Yeah. Yeah. Me too. I do. Yeah. Sounds good. So, uh, should we go ahead and uh, move along to our main topic for today? We can. 
because we didn't really do anything in the garden this week. Okay. <laughs> Other than, well, maybe you I know, did. I was thinking that. I don't know. Did, did, did you? Well, it wasn't actually in the garden. <laughs> I, I actually looked and saw that there were no rabbits in the backyard. Yeah. Because that's... of the snow, I could see footprints. Yes. Yay. But those pesky little squirrels, they were out digging into the snow so they could get down to the soil, mm-hmm. which is not frozen, and dig up whatever it is they buried so that they could get through the winter. Mm-hmm. So I've got this all these soil things just flying all over the place. <laughs> it's those pesky squirrels. But I did water house plants. I, you know, I keep some house plants out in my uh, potting shed, which is heated. Um, so I, I made sure all that was really well watered and just in case I couldn't get out to it. Yeah. Because there's no... These days, um, with the temperatures, um, you said it's heated, but how... Are they taking in less water? Oh, yeah. Are they kind of in a dormant stage? Or? I wouldn't call them exactly dormant. They're still growing. I, I keep it at a minimum for tropicals, which is about 55, which really slows them down considerably. I mean, they just kind of sit there, but they're still using water. So okay. they've, they've got to have some. Sure. Yeah. And that's a mistake we I think we all make this time of year is if we have um house plants we overwater them or underwater them mm. this time of year especially. Um and I have a tendency in another month when we start getting more daylight and the plants start saying, "Oh, I can wake up. I'll use some more water." We forget to water more. Yes. So yep. It's it's a yeah. it's a real uh, balancing act this time of year. Mm-hmm. Well, for me, it's just about remembering, but <laughs> the balance is in there somewhere. Yeah, and the the forced air heat is always so drying. Oh yeah. You know, no matter how humid you try to keep it, it still dries everything out. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah. yeah, I know you you reminded me last year, and I was so glad because sure enough, I found myself having to yeah tend to give just a little more water. Yeah, yeah. that that. That's my extent of gardening right now. Yeah. So there. Yeah. Well, but and but you're right, Marianne. Uh, we still need to do our outing oh, sure. outside, and especially now with the snow cover, is uh, when there's not as much. They have to forage even more to find something to eat, mm-hmm. and that's where a lot of times you'll find uh, the the rabbits will go up on top of the snow, and you think, how did they eat? up that high on my shrubs it's it's crazy oh, i had okay. some friends several years ago who were getting into the conifer thing and, and started collecting and we had a real bad snow one winter not bad if you know t- a, a high amount and so you know 10 inches of snow raises up um, the level that rabbits work at in the winter time right. so what they found was they had lush conifers up to about 10 inches and then they were shaved off Oh, no. I, it was uh, kind of a forced bonsai. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a good way of looking at it. Uh, yeah, if you, you have to be positive about it because there's nothing you can do about it later. But, yeah, I think I was talking uh, a number of weeks ago that one of the things I was doing in December was, because I did have a rabbit trapped in my backyard, um, I, I was uh, putting up fencing around some of my younger uh, shrubs. And, and there was one I didn't get to. They didn't eat it down to the ground, but it was a, uh, oh gosh, I forgot what it was. But anyway, they um, ate it back to about 10 inches tall. Wow. Uh, yeah. That's just, I, I've never had a rabbit. Don't really know much about rabbits other than Bugs Bunny. And so I know they, <laughs> I know they eat like carrots and cabbage and lettuce. 
you know, things that I would consider food, but they eat things that I would not consider food. Well, they have to chew. They, they have to do that. To wear down their teeth. Yeah, their te- teeth. It's the teeth thing, yeah. Gotcha. So, so if you've got somebody's stuff, they're going to get it, aren't they, John? Oh, wow. Yeah. I, I mean, they'll even go for, if it's extended periods of time with snow and ice, they'll go for rose bushes. Oh. You know, you'll have, you'll the, find. Thorns and all? Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. Wow. <laughs> what are you thinking? Oh, they don't care. Okay. Well, right now I'm thinking maybe I need to put up some taller barriers around my burning bushes. Well, if they're pretty established plants, they're not going to do too much damage. Okay, good. I've, I've seen them girdle young trees. Mm-hmm. You just eat bark all the way around a tree. And if they've just eaten it on one side, it's kind of like more blight. You know, if you just hit the tree on one side, you probably, it's going to heal probably. So that rabbit wound will heal probably. But if they go all the way around, a tree just doesn't have a chance, does it? No. Huh. Interesting. So yeah. the lesson to learn is wrap your trees or just keep throwing out the food for the <laughs> wildlife so they won't bother your oh, trees. No. <laughs> oh, she's got food. Let's go over there. Yeah. So That's yeah. my husband's thought. He's throwing out peanuts every morning and having fun watching the squirrels come for them well, and thinking, know. yes, they aren't going to dig up the yard as much this way. <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. <laughs> That's what you think. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's a nice theory. It is. And, you know, if you enjoy watching the squirrels, yeah, what mm. the hey? Good point. Good point. Yeah, they're comical, actually. Yes, they are. They are. But I know that it, well, we talked about um, birdhouses a couple weeks ago because you guys have a whole bunch of new ones in uh, and, and all sorts of colors and sizes. It's really cool. And a few of them are squirrel-proof. Is that in quotation marks? Or am I not remembering this correctly? No, you're remembering right. Okay. I just think that's... A stretch. (laughs) I don't know. I've heard... Are are they really going to work? Are they really squirrel-proof? Or can they really be squirrel-proof completely? Well, it's, it's <laughs> they they are pretty innovative uh, with, and the we're design. talking about the feeders basically, yeah. you know, to keep them out of the out of the food. But you know, there's plastic baffles that that's uh, uh, like a dome that you put over. Uh, there's some of them have mechanisms where if the weight of the squirrel gets on it, it pulls it, oh. pulls it and and jars it. So so that they can get some food. Well, it throws them off, supposedly. Oh, it throws off the squirrel. Yeah, okay, the squirrel itself. So they can't get to it. Huh, good. And, and then there's there stretchy cords that move up and down. And but have you ever noticed how clever squirrels are? <laughs> they, if they They're want something bad enough, they'll find they'll find a way to get to it. Yeah. So. Or okay. you know, or they'll sit underneath the feeders and let the birds fling everything out and. Oh. They'll just feed off the ground. <laughs> much less work. <laughs> would yeah. get spilled. Well, that's very resourceful of them. So, and, uh, you know, maybe you could just put peanuts down underneath the bird feeder. <laughs> yeah, there you go. And they, it, it's because it's easier. I really, I told my husband I really want a bird feeder on a pole so that I can do the Ed Kelly 
squirrel-proof method of putting Vaseline or oil, some kind of very slippery substance, on the pole, and then watch the squirrels trying to climb up it and just keep they keep sliding back down. More entertainment, right? He said it was so entertaining to watch, and I I want to watch the same program. <laughs> so I thank Ed Kelly for for sharing that for certainly. that image, yeah. <laughs> And, 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 you know, yes, I hope to do it someday. <laughs> well, you know, it's a cheap thrill, I guess. Why not? Yeah, you know. Why not? It's not hurting anyone. That's oh. what I like. Okay. 3569397, Plant Experts, live at Prairie Gardens. So, John, would you like to talk about pruning? We could talk about pruning. How about evergreens? Okay. Oh, you know what? I, I was drinking coffee this morning, looking out the sunroom window. <sighs> anyway, <laughs> I, I have some um, small arborvitae evergreens. And the poor little things are bent over so bad with this, this these heavy snows and ice. Yes. So as soon as I get home, I'm going to go out and sh- gently shake that off and try to straighten them up. I I understand that because last, last I think it was Monday... I was uh, drove to work, and as I'm pulling out, I'm like, "What? What? What? What is that in between my bushes?" And then I realized it was one of the bushes that had weighed so heavily. Yes, it was like a deflated balloon almost. Yeah. It just was so squatched down. I'm like, "Oh no!" Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, as soon as I got home from work, I went ahead, took a broom, yeah. brushed it off, and boy, boing. It was so much happier. It was happier, wasn't it? Yes. It it grew another, well, I mean, it sprung back up to another three feet where it had been. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. There's, uh, I have some hemlocks like that. I have some 40-year-old ones that are, you know, they're just kind of touch, you know, they're real high, but then now they're way down touching the ground. And then I have a few new ones, but uh, yeah, they're the same way. I need to get out and get that off. And brush it off. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I'm glad you brought it up because obviously we'll have to do it again today or tomorrow. What yep. with all of the snow we're getting now. Okay. Let's go to the phone lines because Liz in Muhammad is calling in to join us. Good morning, Liz. Good morning. I just wanted to tell you something I saw on Facebook one time. Um, these people had used a slinky and put on the pole to hold their bird feeder. <laughs> and oh, my gosh. I need to watch that squirrel get on that slinky, and he thought he was going up, and then all of a sudden it takes him down. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. <laughs> that's wonderful. Would, I'm going to try it sometime, but i got to get me some slinkies to put on my pole. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. wonderful. I oh, my it. gosh. You guys have slinkies here. I, love I saw it. them. Oh, we've got slinkies. <laughs> Yeah, here you go. <laughs> We've got. Well, they're over with the toys. Oh, by the that's Christmas right. Stuff. We at Christmas we had uh, a selection of nostalgic um, toys. toys for yeah, for children, the, the and there were there was slinkies in them. So we yes. do have slinkies, dear. So you know. Oh, okay. There you go. <laughs> but I think that's what a great idea. That's a funny idea. That'd be really entertaining. <laughs> that made me smile. Thank you so much. I know. <laughs> Thanks, Liz, so much. Is that all? Okay. Oh, okay. I was. <laughs> that's a great thing. That's very entertaining, even thinking about it, making that image in my head. Oh, yes. Watching a it. squirrel bouncing up and down on a slinky. It sounds mean, doesn't it? We sound like real masochists. Uh, no, it's like we're giving an amusement park to the little critters. Oh, okay. I, I'll choose anyway. Okay. 
All right, let's go back to uh, get back to pruning evergreens. Yeah. Well, you know, last week we talked about about because there's so many plant materials to to prune. Mm. We talked about fruits and berries last week. This week we're going to talk about trees and evergreens. And then next week we'll talk about shrubs and other deals. Okay. Okay. But uh, evergreens, <laughs> really, <laughs> most evergreens, really the rule of thumb is don't do it unless you have to. Right. Really? They, they don't grow back like, like a... Like your burning bush, okay. a deciduous shrub or a shrub that loses its leaves. A lot of times when you prune those, that'll stimulate growth and it'll flush out along the base, or, or, or along the stem. But evergreens don't do that so much. And some less than others. Yes. Hmm. So you just have to be real careful. So if it's, you cut anything off, understand that it will not be growing back. N- not necessarily not be growing back, but not quickly or... Um, in a strange way, <laughs> so if you're going to prune, uh, prune early. Don't yep. don't wait till it's 15 years old and decide you want it to be five feet shorter than it is. Mm. So start early in its growth process. Right, and then you know watch watch its pattern. You know, y- you want to start early. You know, after probably the third year you had a planted, you can start evaluating uh, how how you want to prune it and. The best time to prune is early in the spring when you start to get the new growth. Oh. And then you can pinch out. Uh, each evergreen is a little bit different, but you'll want to pinch out part of that, that new growth to control size. That's usually why people want to want to prune. Okay. I may have to do pruning because of the uh, heavy snow. <laughs> it may deform the plants, but, you know, you do what you have to do. Okay. Yeah. So you would do that? For aesthetics, or yeah, probably, the and maybe for the health of the plant, if it if it uh, if ice bends branches enough that they lay over, or maybe they're growing in the wrong direction, okay, or or laying in the wrong direction instead of up, they're they're going perpendicular. Uh, that's when you want to prune something like that. Yeah, or uh, you may have something that got damaged. Uh, you may have a windstorm or yeah. or something, and a branch is broken, or or you know so. Definitely, you have to do that. What about wind burn? I think I would do that uh, in the spring also, mm-hmm. when you can actually see what is damaged. Because a lot of time that uh, times that damage won't show up uh, right away. So if it's getting damaged today in the wind, yeah. uh, it won't show up until March or April. Mm-hmm. You may not even know it until then. Huh? Sometimes you do, but not always. So you just have to pay attention. Um, I think it's best to to start doing it when uh, you can see what new growth is there. It's like kind of like rose bushes; they're not they're they're semi evergreen, but um, you don't want to start pruning on those guys until you can tell what's dead, what's not. Okay. Yep. Because some roses grow on old wood, and no, new not growth necessarily. But wood. you have a lot of of not a lot always, but top dieback on roses depending on the season okay. it's kind of like budley and a lot of other things that uh, you certainly want to cut out something that's been damaged during the season or during the winter season so you have to wait until uh, buds start flushing out and you say oh it died back five inches i'll have to cut that top five inches off okay. or ma- or maybe you want it to be shorter you can you, you you take off more but you at least know where the the dead is and the the live uh, tissue is okay so, it, it, and it's real tricky because uh, 
if you're talking about something like the Thuja, you know, Thujas like or Arbovides, uh, you can trim back. You know, usually you wouldn't want to do more than 20% of it. Right. Uh, otherwise, you start to get too far back where where there's the the deadwood inside where there's there's no sun, so there's there's no greenery back down inside the plant. Mm. And if you go too far back, it's never going to grow back. Uh, if you cut, people okay. do that with use a lot. Yes, they'll they'll cut those back to, because they use were very very popular for many years, and now people you know the the plants have gotten way out of hand and just look gross because nobody pruned them and mm. so oh let's just cut those down to you know a foot tall and that's all it's ever going to be is a foot tall uh, twig probably wow because the used just they just won't grow don't back, grow back. Yeah. well a lot of times you'll see there's there's um, there's wood woody branches and then there's just this barely little green on the outside and it's because people have pruned them too hard and then you're never going to have any growth oh, okay so that's why you start early in their lives and now wait a long time before you start pruning yeah um, and those usually uh, use usually have a couple of growth spurts during the year as opposed to some of the other evergreens just especially trees just you know grow in the spring use a flush in the spring and then sometimes it, you know more towards uh, you know June or so they'll have a second growth but uh, you can trim those uh, you know twice a year but you don't want to prune any use after after the end of June or July because if you start if you prune again after that later then the new growth will come out and it won't be hardy enough to go through the winter Okay. And you see that a lot of times also on boxwoods. Oh, yeah. Oh. So okay. You, you can prune those almost any time up to a certain point that it gets too late. Mm-hmm. You just want to pay attention to that. Now, is that only for the the young ones or an established one as well? Any of them. Okay. So, you know, I, in fact, I have a book here that's about... Um, Creative pruning. Oh, so, the art of creative pruning. Yeah, the topiaries and the spirals and the poodles. Nice. And it is not as easy as it looks. No, it isn't. <laughs> at all. <laughs> but it's it's one of those things that I, I think it's a real neat... Oh, gosh, look at this. It's a real neat look. Oh, wow. That's but you know what? It doesn't stay that way. <laughs> that entire yard has it just topiary continual. after topiary maintenance and continual oh yes so you know if you're if you're going to buy a topiary just bear in mind that you're going to have to probably prune it two three four times a, a season maybe just once a month uh to keep it in the shape that you want it wow that's how much they grow that's impressive but well, yeah, it's it also labor-intensive, nice. so that's it's right. nice to be warned about that. <laughs> More than I want to do. I'm it a is. pretty lazy gardener. <laughs> well, yeah, it's it's a beautiful look. It, and, it is. And, uh, you know, a lot of times it's in a formal situation uh, as opposed to, you know, more casual. But, mm -hmm. but uh, yeah, it's you got to you get on board with that and, and it's continual maintenance. Uh, the 
What was I going to say? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, there. But that's what we just talked about. We don't want to go too late, and you don't want to go too deep. But topiaries take years to get their shape. I mean, you think about how many you start out with a, a little shrub that's, you know, 18 inches tall. Okay. Ish. Ish, yeah. <laughs> and then you're going to start to prune it into shape. Probably the easiest ones to shape are the, the pyramids. Yeah, probably. But uh, but you're continually working on it to get it established. And that's why when you go to buy topiaries uh, that are already established, uh, they're several years old. Hmm. And that's why there's a cost involved in that. Okay. So it's just a lot of time hmm. in getting them established. Right. Yeah. Time and time and labor. Time. I love it. Sometimes we we get in uh, from the West Coast some of the topiaries, and it'll say it'll have the person's name on it that, yes. that worked on it. Oh, that's neat! Isn't yeah. that cool? Yeah, it who, is awesome. Who raised it up to that point? A- actually, it's about the pruning, the the artist who did the I see the creation. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's go ahead and go back to the phone lines where Don in Savoy has been waiting patiently. Good morning, Don. Good morning. Have uh, two ash trees in our backyard. They're probably 22, 23, 24 years old. Uh, they're perfectly healthy. The diameter of the trunk, I'm thinking, is maybe 16 inches. But the the lawn around the tree is being lifted, lifted up over the years. And it's, it's is that a symptom of something that's that's uh, bad? Is that a is that is that a concern or? Why Why is that happening? Well, I wouldn't be concerned. That I, I think that's a natural process for almost all trees. Uh, some do it more than others, and it's about the root system and how it develops uh, 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 underneath the tree. And it's certainly going to go out uh, towards the canopy of the uh, edge of the canopy of the tree. So uh, that's a real natural process. I'm impressed that you have an ash tree that old that hasn't been affected by the emerald ash borer. So congratulations on that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I, but I well, would, we have uh, a gentleman that comes around every two or three years and gives it a treatment. And oh, fabulous. So far, his treatments good. have been successful. That's awesome. But I wouldn't be worried about the grass at all. I'm, I'm impressed you've got grass under it, too. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of trees won't allow that. I mean, yeah. their, their root systems are so uh, competitive. They just don't allow grass growth. Sure. It's, I wouldn't I worry. I wouldn't either. I think it's just a natural process of, of the age of the trees. Once they start to get mature, you yeah. are going to get that. Yeah, and that, you're that that branching or the the roots kind of heaving up underneath. Yeah, so, for sure. So yeah, I want to say the diameter of this little dome, for lack of a better word, is probably three feet, maybe four. Yeah, that's that's probably about right for a sixteen-inch caliper tree. I, I don't think there's anything to be concerned about at all. Okay. All right. Yeah. Thank you enjoy very much. Your, enjoy your you know, ash, and, absolutely. And if, it, if you know, and if it creates a problem with your mowing, uh, that's you may consider taking some of the sod back sod that back, far yeah. and using mulch around the base yeah. of the tree. Oh, oh that's good. very good. Thank you much. All right. Sure. Thanks for calling in this morning, Don. Three five six nine three nine seven, or text us at three five one five three five seven. This is Plant Experts Live at Prairie that Gardens. Ash, tree. ash trees that are that big—that's yeah. fabulous. That somebody actually you know, they're, they're doing the re, the continual maintenance because you're always going to have to treat that tree because the emerald ash borer isn't going to go away. Mm. So it's going to be constant. But John, you brought up a really good point. If it's um, 
uh, hampering the, the mowing process, absolutely pull the grass back away from the trunk of a tree because that's when you start damaging trees, when you get mowers too close to them and you hit the, the tree trunk with the, the uh, machine itself or scrape it with the wheels or something like that. But absolutely pull that, that sod back away from the tree so you're not going to be risking damaging the tree. Okay. Good point. Yeah, great point. I'm wondering, because uh, I have a, uh, not sugar plum, sweet gum tree. And I, I know. <laughs> you know, what are you going to do? It's pretty in the fall. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and, it, and it probably eases our air conditioning. Oh, I'm bill. sure. Oh, <laughs> sure. sure it does. They're really pretty trees. But the seeds are big old spiky balls. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I was reading up on them one time and found that there is something that you can give them so that they won't be as productive That's in correct. their fruit bearing. Mm-hmm. Correct. And, and it, is it effective and how much, how, how labor intensive is it to do that? Because if I could not have those, those sweet gum balls in my yard, that'd be great. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. Well, you can treat them with a chainsaw. And beyond that. What? No. <laughs> I'm sorry. I never recommend cutting a tree down. I, I just never do that. I was yeah. just I was just being silly, but yeah. um, <laughs> those sweet gum balls are really horrible. <laughs> yeah, there is a product. It's a hormone, and we've had it. Uh, we've had it for a number of years, but in a spray form, something that you mix into a sprayer that can reach up into the tree. Because sweet gums are, unless you've got a really really young one, they're going to be big trees. They're big trees. Mm-hmm. So you really have to have a sprayer that can reach up into it. I don't know if there's a systemic form or an injectable form i just don't know that uh, and and i don't know and there might be available for arborists but i think that's for, true for the home consumer you know this is the solution that we sell and there's uh you really have to read the label uh effectively because there's certain application times that you have to put it on absolutely to oh, to okay. control the the blossoms yeah okay but yeah but there is such a thing yeah absolutely yeah and do you and they, it works. It's effective. It's, it's probably as, as effective as anything you can do. Okay, and labor intensive or not as bad. Minimalize the your your I, I don't I don't think it makes yeah. it not produce at all. But I I certainly think it, like you said, John, minimizes. Uh, Okay. I, I, I mean, I read, anything I, would be I, better than nothing. I, I, yeah, I try to I'm, I try to read the labels on all the products that we sell, but that's one. That's that good for you. That's a great thing to do. But that's it's great advice. But it's it's like you know you can't remember every exact oh yeah application and and but it's yeah and that's so important to to know what you're doing. Right. With any so type of labor intensive, it's it's spraying. I th- I think it would be the hardest so. part would be to to reach the top yeah. of the trees. So it depends on how big your tree is and what kind of equipment you've what got. What kind of sprayer that you yeah. would have? Yeah. Okay, but yeah. then uh, where do you keep stuff like that normally? In the uh, store in our, here, our uh, solutions wall, or you know the the walkway out to the uh, Cravo, the plant sales area okay. where all of our chemicals are. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah. All right. Well, I will yeah. be happy to show it to you in a f- couple of months. Okay, when it's probably going to be time to spray it. Exactly. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it wouldn't be right now. It would. Okay. <laughs> Works for me. Oh, look, the snow's really pretty. It Big is. Big flakes. 
Yes. But is there anything we should be, uh, anything else we need to watch for with this storm system in regards to our plants? Last week, I know you just suggested piling up the snow up around the bases of yeah. trees and yeah. shrubs. For extra water. So we did have some melt this, this last week. And yeah, we did. Consequently. We did what this melt? We had some melt. Oh, melt. Snow melt. Yes. So those where you, where you, if you piled snow up around a tree, uh, some of that melted down into, an extra amount melted down into the, the root zone of the tree or the shrub or whatever it was. Um, I also have a tendency uh, from in my own uh, front yard, particularly where the I have evergreens planted close to the driveway, um, and if they're young, I just bury them. I try to make sure that I'm not bending them. Okay. So it's it's kind of a tricky thing, but if you can do it carefully and and keep the evergreen in the form it's supposed to be in, okay, <laughs> and not laying over flat. Uh, uh, it's a nice protection from the wind. And do you keep like a little nub out from the top so it can, doesn't need it, probably, huh? It's, it's as happy under there as it is. A nice little, that's why they would call it. it a blanket of snow. It truly <laughs> acts as a blanket for the plants. A blanket of snow, I like it. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's make it sound nice. <laughs> it does sound nice. Well, getting back to uh, pruning evergreens... Uh, so we kind you kind of discussed uh, how use can be difficult. Right? It can, can be use if, a, if you let them go too long. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um, what about the flip side? What are some of the easier ones to take care of? Well, the the broad leaves I think are pretty easy, don't you, John? Mm-hmm. Uh, a, a lot of the uh, boxwoods, particularly, have gotten a bad rap over the last decade or so because they burned pretty easily but I think that the newer hybrids are are performing much better Um, but it's just like use or anything else you know a a lot of people just go in with a a shear or electric shears maybe Mm -hmm. and just flatten the top of them and flatten the front of them yes nothing wrong with that it's it's a look not not what I would want in my yard but um, that's about as easy as it gets you know yeah. And, and they probably have to do that. I don't care what kind of evergreen it is, whether it's a broadleaf or a needled evergreen. They probably have to do that if they really want it to look good two or three times a season. Okay. Wow. Because they're all going to grow that much. And should they, uh, should you trim away some of the branches from the base area so that it can get better air circulation? Or is it okay to, like if you wanted that squared off look? Is it okay to have those lower branches uh, really close to the ground? It's a look. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think that there is a reason. There, there is something to be said about raising it up, but it, there's also a lot to be said about keeping it down to the ground, which a lot of evergreens, will, uh, shrubs will do is, is keep uh, a, a needle or leaf low so that you have the entire plant covered with foliage of some kind. But then if you're doing topiaries, or uh, what we call lollipops, then you do want to raise them up. Okay. So, like, that's what I was saying, but it's, it's a look. Depends on what kind of a look you want. But it's interesting you said that, because I have a camisipris, um in my front yard that um, it's been a, a very, very slow grower. And all of a sudden, it got to be, like, eight feet tall, and I'm thinking, how did that happen? Uh, it just, but it took a lot of years. And at the base of it, it was just a huge pile of leaves, oak leaves. And I thought, boy, that's just terrible trying to get those out from underneath it. So I just took one 
layer of branches off of, of the very bottom mm -hmm. because they were probably oh, two or three inches off the soil level, soil surface, so that it just raised the bottom of it up just a little bit. But then the weight, as the branches go out, grow out more, the weight of that carries the edges back down. But oh. inside, there's, it's a little more open, so there's a little more air circulation. Okay. So it, nice. it worked out well. But, but you have to be careful, because I did that on another one in the backyard, and I took it up too high. And oh. it looks really stupid, <laughs> in my opinion. It's so nice to know that the experts do that kind of thing, too. <laughs> oh, 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 believe me. <laughs> I pruned it too much. <laughs> it's really hard to paste them back on, too. I've tried everything. It's like getting yeah. a bad haircut. Yeah, seriously. Well, hair grows. <laughs> My hair will eat you off a little yeah. faster anyway. Good point. <laughs> it's like, yeah, no, no haircutting mistake is permanent. So, uh, on the other hand, conifers can, there can be mistakes that, don't go away. Yeah. So you just try to make the best of it. For sure. And then the other broadleaf evergreen we talk about is, uh, would be the ilex or the holly. Love them. Love them, love them, love them. But last year was particularly hard on on hollies with, uh, the, yeah. with the cold and wind desiccating the leaves. Uh, so We had some really, really beautiful hollies uh, this last year. Uh Gosh, they must have been six feet tall. And the females had beautiful clusters of berries on them, and they sold really well. And then last season happened, and uh, we had a, a lot of people saying, what do I do now? Because <laughs> they got burned really bad. Tops got hit back. and But you know what? That's kind of a natural process, uh, uh, just Mother Nature pruning. For, so you have for to, hollies, them. Yeah, you just have to keep together. that in mind. It, not just hollies, but uh, I think there were some. Um, oh, what I want to ink berries, but yeah, those oh, are hollies. Sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, lots of things were affected like that. So it just, it just was a bad season. Uh, it's probably about March, mm -hmm. uh, late February, March that uh, most of this damage happened last year. Oh, that's right, because we get. We kept getting sudden snowstorms yeah, on the it weekends. Was, it up was real pleasant. I March. mean, not pleasant, but it wasn't like it, horrible yeah. cold. And then it just came in and blasted us. Mm -hmm. So it was it was a season to uh, remember. Yeah. <laughs> sure. And then and then with those with those, uh, there is some protection that you can do. Uh, it's a it's a spray. It's an anti-desiccant, which helps seal up the the pores on the plants so that they don't transpire as much and helps them keep their moisture in. So hmm. that's one thing that spray? you can do for protection. So I would have sprayed earlier this week, knowing that there was going to be a storm this weekend. And then after this, you'd have to spray again because it does wash off or, or wear off. Okay. It's kind of a waxy material. Okay. Yeah. That's good to know, though, that they have that. So was was the I think we were talking you about it that. a few weeks ago, uh, using it on cut greens inside, so that they don't transpire as much. Yes. Yeah. Same stuff. Same stuff. Same oh, stuff. all right. So it's multi-purpose. Yeah. Yes. The and same purpose in different applications. Yeah. And but yeah, and just to cover again on, on your uh, house plants, you use it. It not only helps keep the moisture in, but it kind of gives it a lustery, shiny. 
uh, look to it, doesn't it? it? It does. I'm not sure I'd use it so much on houseplants, but I would certainly use it on evergreens that I had cut and brought inside. Okay. Because yeah. they're going to lose moisture immediately in, a, in that dry indoor environment. They're going to just dry up pretty quick. So you do what you have to do. Okay. Yeah. For, for your houseplants, there is a special uh, formula of material called leaf shine. So Maybe that's what I was thinking That's of. what you're thinking of. Yeah, you're right. Okay. And before we finish today, I just got to tell you, I just came back from Florida. <laughs> where, I was Lucky. Look, uh, where I was looking at houseplants. <laughs> it, was a, it was a trade show. Okay. And there was so much color I couldn't stand it. I mean, <sighs> I am so full of the color of spring, I can't tell you. <laughs> and I'm really excited about some of the things that, that we found. Yeah. So this is going to be a really, really good spring for our tropical selection and our houseplant selection. I'm really excited, and I, I, I hope we can express that to the people who come here to shop are expecting to have something exciting because we're going to have it this year. You oh, are. for sure. Yeah, for sure. And, and tropicals add so much oh, gosh, to yeah. the landscape. I mean, you know, when, when it's time, you can use them outdoors, which is so rewarding. I mean, they just add such a different, different element to everything. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited. Yeah. I'm looking at snowing like crazy and I'm excited what? about plants. I'm curious <laughs> what kinds of plants did you encounter? Well, the one of the things that just pops in my mind that was maybe some of the most color I'd ever seen anywhere were bougainvillea, uh, which are vines. Mm. Oh. Uh, Tropical, obviously. Okay. But the colors were so intense, and there were so many different colors. Um, hibiscus, uh, mandevillas, diplodenias, all those things that we expect to see in uh, spring, or late spring and, and into summer okay. uh, in our environment here. I mean, it just makes you feel good to have them. Mm -hmm. it, was, it was all there, just like gobs of it. So it was just color, 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 Wow. I, I Seriously. I particularly like you showed us some pictures of some of the different types of bromeliads that oh, I've never seen before. Oh, my gosh. Which was really exciting. What uh, colors? Uh, uh, oranges, yellows, lap kind of a lavendery coloration Ooh. I mean just and different flower formations yeah. and yeah. Uh, different leaf shapes and different leaf color patterns and it just really exciting orchids like crazy yeah. oh my gosh how exciting is that we have so many well, well I think we've always had a great selection but hopefully we'll be able to get some of this new stuff in okay from our text lines what's the best house plant for a darker house and a brown thumb Ooh. Oh, I, you know, I when people come in and ask me that, they can see my face, and I say it. I say we've got an artificial plant department that's great, <laughs> <laughs> I, but I'm kidding. No, it's feel like, yeah. Do I look that bad? <laughs> I mean, I want something to water occasionally. Yeah, seriously. It's there's there's several spathophyllums sure. are fabulous peace lilies. Yep. Oh, uh, are, they're so rewarding when they start blooming. And they don't mind low light at all. No, they don't. Oh, good. That one's great. And uh, those, I, I know, they'll let you know if they want water because they start to sag. Oh, for sure. Yep. And you, you water, water them yep. and they poop, <coughs> They pop back up. Yeah. Absolutely. Another top one on my list is the aglonemia or the Chinese evergreens. Oh, for sure. And they have so many different leaf patterns, which is really, which is really cool. Oh, absolutely. And I, I was, in fact, I got um, a magazine, a gardening magazine, and read it on the airplane. There were... Um, Ones that I didn't really think of as low-light plants, like Sansevieria, mother-in-law tongue, mm -hmm. or snake plant. 
Uh, those are supposed to be good for low light situations and they're really easy. Spider plants, of course, most of the ivies. So there's really, really a lot of plants that yeah. you can use in, low light, in a low light situation. And a lot of those are really easy care. So brown thumb or no, give it a shot. Yeah. That's great. Sure. Thanks, you guys. And of course, if anybody needs help picking out a plant for their own particular uh, situation, of course, the experts are here at Prairie Gardens. This has been Plant Experts Live at Prairie Gardens with plant experts Marianne Metz and Don Wise-Garver. I'm Tamara McDaniel. Our producer is Blake Landa. Stay tuned for Saturday Sports Talk up next here on News Talk 1400 WDWS Champaign-Urbana. A podcast of the show will be made available later today at WDWS.com. Have a wonderful weekend. Stay safe on the roads. And thanks for listening.